Welcome to the Golden Age of Comic Books. Hey, Golden Age fans, it is October 12th, 2009, and this is the 64th installment of the Golden Age of Comic Books podcast. This is Bill Jordan, your host, and I am very glad you're here because this is a special Baltimore Comic Con edition of the Golden Age of Comic Books podcast. Had a great weekend just over the last couple of days in Baltimore, Maryland, as a guest of Asgard Press at the Baltimore Comic Con. I was there to sign copies of the vintage DC Comics 75th anniversary calendar. Had a great turnout at the show. I think Saturday and Sunday both, we had big crowds. Had a lot of folks who came by the Asgard Press booth, and I signed quite a few calendars for folks there. I really enjoy meeting some of the fans of the Golden Age of Comic Books. I sincerely appreciate each and every person that came by and mentioned the podcast. Uh, It's great to know that there's some folks up in the Baltimore area that enjoy listening to the Golden Age of Comic Books. Also saw Pants and Jamie D. from Comic Geek Speak. It was great to see them there at the show. I hope they had a great show as well. But I thought I'd uh, go ahead and do a uh, special edition podcast from the show. I was able to get out onto the floor every uh, every now and then during the show, and I was able to do some interviews. I've got an interview coming up uh, with Peter Shen, who is one of the owners of Asgard Press, who, who have uh, put together this wonderful DC Comics vintage calendar, the 75th anniversary of DC Comics coming up in 2010. We're going to talk to Peter about the calendar and some other great products that Asgard Press has, uh, both uh, comic book related products and some other products. So stay tuned for that interview. I also had an opportunity to sit down and talk to Arnold Bloomberg, Dr. Arnold Bloomberg, who is the curator of the Jeppe Entertainment Museum in downtown Baltimore. Arnold was also uh, involved in the calendars put out by Asgard Press. He actually wrote the intro to the vintage Marvel Comics calendar. It was great to meet Arnold and other folks from the Jeppe Museum. Arnold was there not only uh, representing the museum, but he came over to the booth at Asgard Press and signed some Marvel calendars as well. He was also promoting a new book that he has out during the uh, uh, the last day of the show, uh, a book he wrote about zombies. He uh, is one of the experts about zombies, so uh, check out uh, his information over at the Jeppe uh, Entertainment Museum website. I think you'll find him a very knowledgeable and very interesting individual. It's really a lot of fun to meet him. And then last but not least, I was able to sit down and have a really nice talk and interview with uh, the great Don Rosa. As most of you know, I'm a big fan of Don's rendering of Uncle Scrooge and Donald Duck, the stories not only that he's drawn but that he's written. Uh, Don is just a fantastic storyteller. If you've never read The Life and Times of Scrooge McDuck, go out and get a copy and read it. Uh, it's probably uh, one of my favorite modern takes on Uncle Scrooge and Donald Duck and uh, the whole uh, clan McDuck. So I have an interview coming up with Don where we talk about not only his work on the ducks, but also some of his thoughts about the Golden Age and Golden Age fandom and so on and so forth. It was really a great show. Uh, I think that uh, along with the Heroes Con, the Baltimore Comic Con certainly is one of the great comic book shows that I've ever been to. A lot of fans, a lot of great artists and creators were there. Uh, A lot of excitement and energy about comic books generally. A lot of uh, great Golden Age books were there. In fact, I had a lot of fun because I actually was able to uh, pick up some Golden Age books for my collection. I picked up uh, 
some World's Finest Comics. I picked up a copy of World's Finest Comics number 16, World's Finest Comics number uh, 38, and World's Finest Comics number 40. Really uh, was very lucky and very fortunate to find some uh, nice copies of those at a really good price. I also picked up a book. Uh, I think I've probably had a copy of this in my collection before, but I picked up another copy. That's uh, Four Color Comics number 178 with the story Christmas on Bear Mountain that I've covered on one of our Christmas episodes. Of course, that is the very first appearance of Uncle Scrooge by the great Carl Barks. I was pleased to be able to get a copy of that. It's a real low-grade copy, but a copy nevertheless, and I'm really pleased to have that in my Uncle Scrooge collection and my four-color Donald Duck collection. So all in all, it was a great show. Once again, uh, the generosity of Asgard Press having me up there as their guest. I can't say enough about that. They are a first-class company. Their products are first-class. They just are a fantastic company. So go over to their website, asgardpress.com. Check out all the great products they have, and in particular, the Vintage DC Comics Calendar, the Vintage Marvel Comics Calendar. Check out some of the new posters that they have for Marvel, really fantastic posters. They have some uh, what they call vintage PDAs or journal books that would be fantastic for sketches, all kinds of college sports products, just a fantastic company with some fantastic products. If you go over there and you want to buy some of their products, don't forget you can use promo code Golden, Golden Age Comics. That's all one word, Golden Age Comics, and you'll get a 10% discount. Just uh, go over there, though, and check out what they do. They're just a great company, very concerned about the environment. They are a green company. Uh, all of their products are on recyclable paper. They use soy-based inks in their products, so uh, they're really very, very friendly uh, to uh, to the whole environment. So check out the Asgard Press website when you get a moment. Again, thanks to Peter and everyone else at Asgard Press for having me as a guest at the Baltimore Comic Con. And without further ado, I'm going to go ahead and uh, put the interview here uh, that I had with Peter Shin from Asgard Press. I hope you enjoy that. And then I'll be back uh, in just a few minutes uh, with some more from the Baltimore Comic Con. All right, Golden Age fans, we are at the Baltimore Comic Con, and I'm here at the Asgard Press booth with Peter Shen of Asgard Comics. Peter, uh, looks like a great show so far. Hi, Bill. Yep, it's uh, it's great to have you here as uh, as our guest contributing editor for both the uh, Vintage DC and the Marvel Comics calendars, and and uh, it, we're really excited. This is our uh, second year. Last year was our first, and so far it looks like a pretty good crowd. Well, the crowd is tremendous at the show, and uh, there's been a lot of interest not only in the calendars, but in the, uh, the sketchbooks that you have, or the journals, uh, the posters, all kinds of things. Tell, uh, tell everybody some of the things that you have uh, at Asgard Press that they can find on your website. Well, you're familiar with the, um, the Vintage DC and the Vintage Marvel calendars, and I think we've got uh, another great year this year. Vintage Marvel is uh, the first edition this year, and... and Thanks to you um, with, with images and with editorial commentary, um, I, I think we've got another, another great series. Um, the vintage journal books are new this year, and basically they are, they are blank journal books with a twist, um, with a couple of twists. One is that they're all uh, printed with 100% recycled paper and soy-based inks. Um, they've got faux leather uh, hardcover covers, um, but... They also have a table of contents and numbered pages. Um, and then last but not least, um, each page is, is printed with kind of a, a ghosted 
sort of a grid design that, that is subtle enough that if you want to use them as blank pages uh, to sketch and doodle, you can. But there are lines there if, if you want to write or, or, you know, if you are thinking of uh, the next um, Plutonian space modulator you want to you create on the pages, it's there for drafting. So um, it, it seems to, pe- people seem to really be interested in them. Well, they're, they're really fantastic. I've looked through uh, uh, the one I've got and uh, have really enjoyed looking at it. I've shown it to some of the uh, folks here at the show, and they've really liked it. I think you've sold a few for folks who want to use them for yeah. sketchbooks for yes, the uh, for the artists that are here. In fact, Brian Michael Bendis is one booth over from us, and uh, hopefully some people are taking those sketchbooks over there to him. But uh, really a, a great show. And, and again, I'll, uh, I'll say that I've had such a great time putting together the the uh, vintage DC calendar with you guys, uh, with some of my covers, and of course the, uh, the introduction that I wrote, and, and of course the Marvel calendar is, is equally great. You've also got some wonderful sports calendars here. Uh, you've got w- one of my favorites this year, the science fiction uh, themed calendar, which uh, I haven't really talked about much on the Golden Age of Comic Books podcast, but it's a fantastic calendar, and a really, really cool Norma Jean calendar. Uh, talk about that a little bit. Uh, what's that all about? Well, uh, the, the Norma Jean calendar, we're, we're really excited to do this. is the first, first year as well. Um, basically, these are old, uh, rare, and unpublished photographs of Norma Jean before she went on to Hollywood. In fact, just months before she went on to Hollywood and changed her name to uh, a certain Marilyn Monroe. Um, and it's, it's a calendar of 16 images, photographs of, uh, of a young Norma Jean. She was 16 or maybe 18 years old at the time. And uh, just just some really amazing photos. Um, the the vintage sci-fi um, golden age pulp covers of of uh, you know pulp sci-fi magazines and um, also you know one of my personal fra- favorites. I'm a big sci-fi fan, so um, we're excited to add those two new titles this year. Well, the the sci-fi calendar, as I said, is really fantastic. I think any fan of golden age science fiction of the pulps, et cetera, would just love these calendars. So I hope that they'll go to your website and check all of these calendars out. And, uh, of course, that website is asgardpress.com, A-S-G-A-R-D-P-R-E-S-S.com. Uh, just a wonderful website as well. And uh, the sports calendars are uh, are really a hit, too. I know that was sort of the, the birth of the, of the company, and uh, they've done fantastic since that time. Now, there's a new product you have uh, that, I've, that I've have really enjoyed seeing, and that's the, uh, the posters. Uh, they're called vintage posters. Uh, they come in a nice uh, triangular tube, and uh, the, the paper stock is what caught my eye. They're, they're high quality, but the paper stock is really, really thick, the same as the calendar paper stock. Tell us a little bit about these posters, the sizes, and so on and so forth. Well, they, uh, we've got two different kinds of posters. Um, the, uh, the Marvel and Norma Jean posters um, and the college football ones. And as you mentioned, the college football line is really what, what really, uh, you know, we owe our start to um, producing old um, college uh, football program cover art from, I would say, the 20s to the 60s, roughly. But the Marvel posters specifically are 20 by 28 in size, and they are printed on this thick 100% recycled paper stock that's similar to the calendar stock um, with soy-based inks. And um, we've got 12 different Marvel um, images from uh, mostly first edition images um, that are also sold and available on our website and four different Norma Jean images as well and those are 22 by 28 and they uh, they all retail for 12.95 each. 
Well, they're really great, and I think any fan of, uh, of the Silver Age of Marvel Comics and, of course, of Marilyn Monroe and Norma Jean would love those, uh, those posters as well. Well, I hope uh, it's a great show. I tell you, just standing around your booth, there have been a lot of uh, people here who are really interested in, in what Asgard Press has to offer, and uh, I think it'll be a, a really great show. Well, thanks, Bill. And, and again, I, I just want to say it's, it's a privilege to have you here, and, and I appreciate your uh, generous contributions over the past couple of years, and, and I'm hoping for many more. Well, I appreciate it, and I look forward to working with you and Asgard Press in the years to come, and uh, looking forward to signing some calendars uh, later this afternoon, uh, hopefully here in about an hour or so. So, uh, again, everybody, uh, check out the, uh, the calendars, the posters, uh, all of the other products that you can find at the Asgard Press website. Again, that's asgardpress.com. Uh, particularly look at those journals. I think you'll love those journals if you're a fan of Marvel, particularly the Silver Age Marvel. You really, really need to check those out. They're fantastic. So I'm going to go ahead and sign off for now, and we'll be back with more interviews from the floor of the Baltimore Comic Con. Well, thanks again to Peter Shen of Asgard Press, asgardpress.com, for having me up to the Baltimore Comic Con as their guest. Signed a lot of calendars, met a lot of great folks, had a great time meeting Peter. Peter and I had never met face-to-face, and uh, he is truly a gentleman, and uh, I had a great time uh, up at the Baltimore Comic Con with him and and, uh, other folks from Asgard Press. So, Peter, thanks again. Look forward to working with you for many, many years to come on the vintage DC and vintage Marvel and other projects related to comic books from Asgard Press. Well, it was a great show, not only for the time I spent with Peter and Asgard Press, but also, as I mentioned, I got to meet Arnold Bloomberg from the Jeppe Entertainment Museum. Just a great place, uh, a great source for looking at Americana, the history of comics, and many other aspects of American uh, pop culture. I did have an opportunity to spend uh, time talking to Arnold about the museum and about what they do there, and I got all that down in an interview for the Golden Age of Comic Books podcast. So without further ado, here is my interview with Arnold Bloomberg of the Jeppe Entertainment Museum, live from the Baltimore Comic Con 2009. All right, well, I am uh, still on the floor of the Baltimore Comic Con, and I am here with Dr. Arnold Bloomberg, who is with the uh, Jeppe Entertainment Museum that's right here in beautiful uh, downtown Baltimore in Inner Harbor. Uh, welcome to the Golden Age of Comic Books podcast. Thanks very much. It's a pleasure. Well, tell us a little bit about the museum, what it's all about. Uh, as, as you know, I focus on the Golden Age of Comic Books in my show and on my blog. So how, uh, how does the museum uh, figure into the Golden Age of Comic Books? Well, in a very powerful way, actually. It's, it's one of the eras that we represent really strongly in the museum, but since the museum is the entire history of American pop culture and entertainment, it also sort of puts that era into perspective into the bigger picture. When you go through our galleries, you not only see a big selection of Golden Age era comics, both in our comic book gallery and also in a room devoted to 1928 to 1945, but you see it in the larger context of how that plays a role in American history and American entertainment, so it's a big part of it. Well, I've always, always been intrigued how comic books were used, I think, during World War II, during the 50s for what I call political socialization. And uh, looking at it in the context, as you say, the entirety of Americana during that period and other periods really is a fantastic thing. Tell us a little bit more about the museum, the the, the entirety of it, and and what you all feature there. 
Sure. The, the museum is divided up into a series of galleries. When you enter the second floor of Camden Station, which is where we are, we're above the Sports Legends Museum here in Baltimore. Uh, you're going to be walking through basically a timeline of American pop culture. It takes you from the start of the country all the way up to the present day and through a series of different galleries. You see different eras of pop culture represented through comics, toys, collectibles of all kinds. You'll see the very first Barbie dolls, the very first G.I. Joe dolls. We actually are very proud to have the one-of-a-kind prototype that Don Levine of Hasbro made by hand to create the idea of the G.I. Joe figure, wow. and that's part of our collection. And, of course, an entire gallery devoted to nothing but the story of comic books in this country. Well, that's really fantastic. If uh, the listeners of the Golden Age of Comic Books want to learn more about the museum, uh, I'm sure they can get that on the web. Where do they go? Absolutely. We do have a website. It's at www.jeppiesmuseum, that's G-E-P-P-I-S, museum.com. And that always has the latest information on our, our rotating exhibits, our current standard exhibits. Uh, we have a whole variety of different events, signings, that kind of thing. And we try to keep people up to date through the website. So, In addition to the exhibits that you have, as you mentioned, you do some uh, signings and you have some programs. Tell us a little bit about the programs that you have. Well, for one thing, one of the things we're really happy to have is uh, there, there are the options for all kinds of groups to come in and have guided tours through the museum. We also have a series of educational programs where if you are bringing in a class, everything from grade school up to postgraduate, we have different themed tours that we could take people on, and we can also tailor tours to the curricula of whatever institution you're from and enable you to look at things through the lens of pop culture and entertainment, the reflection of where we are in the country, where we were. Uh, we also have a variety of signings and other events coming up in the near future. There's a murder mystery dinner coming up at the beginning of December. Uh, you get to drink, uh, drink some wine, have some good food, and figure out who killed who at the museum. And uh, we're also doing some things. There's going to be a teacher's night in November expressly for the purpose of helping to promote our educational programs to that community. And uh, we have a variety of other things and hopefully a few surprises, including an Archie Comics-themed exhibit coming up next year. Well, that's great. I just did a blog post at, at my uh, blog, goldenagecomics.org, uh, about Archie and the, and the, the love triangle uh, between Archie, Betty, and Veronica that first appeared in Archie Comics number 7 back in the 40s, so that ought to be great. So tell us one more time what the website is uh, so all the listeners can uh, make their way over there. Sure. The website is www.jeppiesmuseum, G-E-P-P-I-S-museum.com. All right, well, thank you so much for being on the show, and I'm just dying to get over there and see this museum. You're always welcome. Well, thank you so much. And uh, everybody, uh, if you uh, have a moment, go over to their website and check it out. And if you're in the Baltimore area, make sure that you get over there and check out uh, Jeppy's Museum. Well, again, special thanks to Dr. Arnold Bloomberg for his time and giving me the interview about Jeppy's Entertainment Museum. really is a fantastic place if you're in the Baltimore area. Make a, a time to go over there and check it out. Uh, some fantastic exhibits there. They're always updating the things that they have. They're always doing special programs. So it's certainly worth your while to check it out. Go to their website, and I think you'll uh, find it very interesting and very informative about the museum and many of their upcoming programs. On a personal note, I want to thank Dr. Bloomberg for uh, uh, taking the time to talk to us, not only on the show, but uh, during the course of the Baltimore Comic Con. I had several other opportunities to talk to him. He's just uh, a wealth of information about Americana and pop culture. And uh, if you're there and you uh, head by the museum, uh, try to look him up and uh, have a moment to talk to him. He's really fantastic. And again, I want to thank him very much for uh, the time that he took to talk to us and for his hospitality while I was visiting uh, the Baltimore Comic Con. 
Well, last but not least, I was able to sit down with um, none other than Don Rosa, one of my very favorite comic book uh, creators. Don uh, is uh, what I consider to be uh, a genius in terms of storytelling and uh, crafting Uncle Scrooge stories. I've said this many, many times before, but his great work, The Life and Times of Scrooge McDuck, is probably in the top five of one of my favorite comic book series to read over the last 20 years. So uh, I was uh, very pleased that I saw Don there at the Baltimore Comic Con and was able to sit down and interview him for the third time for the Golden Age of Comic Books podcast. Don is always great to talk to. He's always a wealth of information. And I look forward to seeing him again soon, hopefully at uh, next year's Heroes Con in Charlotte, North Carolina. Okay, Golden Age fans, uh, we are back at the Baltimore Comic Con on the floor this morning uh, for the uh, the third appearance on the Golden Age of Comic Books podcast. We have with us the great Don Rosa. Don, good morning. Welcome to the show. Uh, good morning. Uh, it's I love to talk about old uh, comics, and you uh, just saw me. A friend walked past, and we almost got into a, a lengthy discussion about old books also. So. Well, I love old books and old comics, and I know the listeners of the show do as well. Well, Don, you're here uh, at Baltimore. This is my first uh, appearance at the Baltimore Comic Con, and I know we've talked at the Hero Show a couple of times. Tell us what you've got going on here at Baltimore this year. Uh, well, what I do at these shows is uh, pretty much the same at each show, but I didn't uh, realize this was your, your first Baltimore Con, so I usually see you in Charlotte. Uh, Charlotte and Baltimore are my two favorite uh, Comic Cons of the year. Uh, they're both uh, they're, they're large. Um, but they're 100% comics, and both run by very dear old friends of mine who are uh, also uh, old Marx fans, Donald Duck fans, and that's the reason I get invited to these shows. They they know that I'm not going to, uh, if they pay for my hotel room and uh, sometimes the, the flight in, they're going to lose money on me. But because uh, I don't in America, I don't bring many people in the door. But uh, they're the, the the old comic dealers. They remember the Donald Duck comics uh, they grew up with, and they always want to have uh, at least one guest doing the kind of comics they, they used to read. And uh, so they, they I think it just does their heart good to see somebody sitting there doing uh, with uh, Donald Duck comics and Uncle Scrooge comics uh, amid all the superhero stuff. Right. Well, that's great, and uh, I think you're exactly right. I've walked around the floor several times, and it really is a, a great comic book show, just like the Hero Show is. Uh, you've got with you also these great prints I know that you've been doing for uh, for quite a while. Uh, you've got the, uh, the recreations with the... Uh, with the ducks of a lot of the Golden Age covers. I just love those, and I know the fans of the Golden Age and of, of uh, Donald Duck and Uncle Scrooge love those as well. Yeah, you were uh, I interrupted your question about what I'm doing here. Uh, I uh, When these friends invite me to these conventions, uh, I, I come and I don't have copies of my own comics and books to sell to people like other artists do. I have a hard time getting single copies for, my, for myself. Uh, but uh, over the years... I uh, have done commissions, private commissions for friends. No, it's never for money. It's uh, for my, like I say, my comic book dealer friends. I'll, uh, they might have a, 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 an old comic book that I was too cheap to pay $5 for in 1969. You know, now it's $500. And, uh, and it turned out, I think, once one finally offered to me that uh, uh, if I, you know, drew a little Donald Duck picture for him, uh, he'd swap, swap his comic for my drawing. And... I think I even resisted that at first because uh, it, it didn't seem fair. Supposedly the comic is so valuable and uh, I can earn it just with some time. Uh, but I try to look at it, uh, you know, the value of these comics is really just half cover price. So uh, I'd give him a, uh, a drawing that uh, I didn't have to pay for for a, a 
nickel comic book. But no. Uh, anyway, the reason I mention that is uh, all the uh, over the last 20 years, I've done various uh, drawings for friends. They some of them were these comic book cover parodies that you mentioned, and others are just uh, scenes with Donald and Scrooge. And when I uh, people invite me to these shows, the last 10 years, I realized well, if I uh, I always keep uh, color xeroxes of these. Uh, art pieces that I send out since I'll never see them again but uh, I picked some of the ones that were sort of generic that I thought would uh, appeal to other fans and uh, particularly those uh, comic parody covers and uh, have prints made of them and that gives me something to sit and I've got something to put on the wall it makes a, actually a really colorful display I'm really proud of uh, there's so many of them I, I overdo everything it's, uh, I, sh- I could have just maybe five different ones but no I've got like 70 different ones and they all in full color, and they, they do make a, a pretty good display. I, I think that uh, uh, the, the, my friends who invite me to these, these conventions, uh, at least I'm providing some entertainment for, for the, all the other uh, attendees. So got an announcement coming. Let's go ahead. But uh, anyway, so I uh, that's what I do at these shows. I have these prints. And I also sit here, and, of course, I'll do a free sketch for anybody who comes up. And, uh, and meet lots of the, uh, well, there's not that many American fans of this. I think nine out of ten of the people who come up to my booth have no idea what I do, and they've never read any of the Donald Duck, uh, the Karl Marx stories. But they recognize the uh, Donald Duck. They're, they're familiar with Donald Duck as a T-shirt symbol in Disney World, so they, uh, they get one of these uh, sort of generic scenes with, uh, with Donald and uh, Scrooge. I'm not sure how many of them even know who Scrooges, unless they saw DuckTales. The, the funny thing is, I think, about the things I'm proudest of, the things that I enjoy doing the most for my friends are these comic book cover parodies. Uh, and everybody looks at those, but very seldom does anybody buy one compared to the, uh, the other pictures. And I think the reason is the, uh, uh, the comic book collectors recognize the covers I'm parodying but they can't really, and they think they're funny, but they can't figure out why I put Donald Duck in it rather than somebody popular like Homer Simpson or SpongeBob SquarePants or somebody they're more familiar with. Now, the Donald Duck fans come up, and they see Donald Duck in these uh, parodies, but they don't recognize the comic covers. You know, they don't know anything about Fantastic Four, number one, or Sp- uh, Spider-Man, number one. But, of course, there's some crossover, a little bit of crossover, the older uh, comic fans and duck collectors, and uh, so I'll, I'll sell a few of them. But, uh, well, let's uh, let's talk about uh, the golden age of comic books a little bit. I, I know we were looking at the uh, vintage uh, DC calendar, the 75th anniversary calendar, a few minutes ago, with some great golden age covers. And of course, you've done cover parodies of some of the classic golden age covers. Now, I understand that um, uh, you have been involved not only as a collector of golden age comic books, but as a, someone who was involved in fandom uh, at some point in time. Uh, can you tell us a little bit about that? Uh, okay. Now, it depends on your definition of golden age comics. Uh, and we were sitting here looking at the uh, pictures uh, of the covers in your uh, calendar collection here, and I did point to some of the, the, the true Golden Age comics that I have, but primarily I'm, I'm not really a Golden Age collector. In fact, a couple of years ago I sold all my key Golden Age comics that I had come across in the last 40 years when I was looking for the comics that I wanted to buy, which is what... Uh, when I was a, a, in, in comic fandom... 30 years ago, we called uh, the Silver Age stuff from about, what, 1956 on, and the Golden Age was anything prior to the end of World War II, but the area in between either didn't have a name or what I like to call, some people call, the Atomic Age, and I think that's a much 
better descriptive term for uh, uh, for the different ages of comics. Uh, but I notice now it seems like most people think anything before 1956 is the golden age. And that's that's quite wrong because the comics prior to World War, the end of World War II, are very, very different from the ones between, uh, say, 46 to 56. Completely different type of comics. And so my serious collecting goes back to, uh, yeah, like we say, the end of World War II. Uh, now, I go beyond that only on a couple of my favorite characters. I got the Disneys back beyond that. And I, uh, when I first became, uh, got into comic book fandom, in other words, finding, uh, you know, where you can buy old back issues from uh, comic dealers, I concentrated also on Superman and got things like Superman comics back to about number four and World's Finest back to number one. Uh, but uh, action comics, no, my action comics only go back about to World War II. So, uh, so I'm really not uh, uh, consider myself as a Golden Age collector. I am certainly a comic collector. And you mentioned my uh, comic fan uh, uh, fanzine columns I used to write. I would certainly answer questions about Golden Age comics, but I would have to use reference magazines written by friends of mine like uh, oh, M.C. Goodwin, who were some of the Jerry Bales, uh, people like this who were the, the real, and in fact the original <laughs> Golden Age comic collectors. Well, that's, uh, that's really interesting. You know, I, I, I know there's been a debate over the years about what is the Golden Age and what's not. Uh, I've loosely called the Golden Age uh, all the way through the uh, appearance of Showcase Number 4 in 1956, which most people think is the beginning of the Silver Age. And uh, I've heard the Atomic Age as well, and I know there's a lot of uh, maybe not disagreement, but at least confusion about uh, what is the Golden Age and, and what's not. But uh, I agree with you. There, there's a big difference in the post-World War II books and the pre-World War II books. Well, tell us a little bit about um, what your upcoming plans are, uh, attending shows and other, other projects that you may be working on uh, coming up here in the, in the near future. Well, I'm not sure what we might have talked about the last time we did a, a little interview like this, but I'm more or less semi-retired now due to my uh, eye problems and my uh, ultimate disgust with the Disney comic system. Uh, and plus, oh, half a dozen other reasons, i just uh, trying to get... Uh, get out of that part of it, I, but I still am glad to uh, attend the conventions when my friends invite me, and I still like, uh, still looking for old comic books from my collection, and uh, I love seeing uh, folks like you and my uh, other old dealer friends that I've known for decades, so uh, I'll still come to any convention where uh, somebody invites me, and uh, I would certainly help any of the publishers, uh, mostly in Europe, when they do... Uh, reprints of my uh, stories. I help them. Maybe I can, I can still see well enough to do large drawings like covers and so on. Uh, I just I don't want to tackle that really detailed uh, story art like I used to. And that's what I was known for was the highly detailed uh, artwork. Uh, but other than that, I'm just uh, sp uh, spend my days working, working around the house, taking care of my, I just take better care of my uh, big estate in, uh, uh, back in Kentucky. I don't know. It's word estate makes it sound fancy. I wish I knew a word. It's not a farm. Uh, my grange. My, yeah. No, it's just a big 25-acre nature preserve. I guess I can call it a preserve. Uh, say it's a preserve. It sounds like I've got elephants and gazelle on it or something. But uh, I just take much better care of that because I'm uh, cutting lots of trails and uh, uh, maintain wildlife meadow, uh, wildflower meadows and 
deer feeding stations and sort of things and uh, spend more time growing uh, chili peppers in my garden uh, mixed in with my, my wife's uh, vegetable garden. And just, uh, but I, I, the thing is, I've, I'm a workaholic. I still, even if I, even if I was completely retired, between, uh, until 5 o'clock every day, I've got to be doing some sort of work. Now, it might be work in, like, organizing my book collection, or it might be uh, work in the garden, or things I enjoy doing, but it has to be work. I can't just sit down and read a book or watch a DVD or something. It has to be some sort of uh, enjoyable work. That's the way I am. That's the way I was uh, raised, I think. I've always been a hard worker. Well, that's why I did the fanzine columns. I couldn't just enjoy comics. I had to work at it. I had to work and enjoy comics. Well, let me ask you this. You know, I, uh, I don't know if I've ever, a- ever asked you this before on the Golden Age of Comic Books, but, um, of course, as you mentioned, you did some incredibly detailed work on the life and times of Scrooge McDuck, one of my favorite all-time uh, uh, things to read about Uncle Scrooge. Of course, I know you're a, a, a huge fan of Carl Barks and his work, but I don't think I've ever asked you if you had any one particular Carl Barks story that was your favorite story that he did, either with Donald or Uncle Scrooge or any of those characters? Did you have one in particular that was your favorite that sort of got you uh, uh, into into loving that character uh, in, in particular? Well, uh, I can't answer that your last question, uh, what story that got me into loving the character, because uh, as we may have discussed before, uh, I was exposed to these, these comics literally from birth, because my sister was already 11 years old when I was born, and she already had a house filled with comics back to the late 40s. Right. So, uh, but I do, I can answer uh, which ones were my favorites, because when I, uh, and I was talking to that uh, other interviewer about the fact that uh, at some point, uh, we, we try to force ourselves to outgrow things that we enjoyed when we were a kid. Even if we uh, subconsciously don't want to, we, we compel ourselves. So when I was about, uh, so about 1962, 63, I decided I'd start reading uh, uh, Uncle Scrooge, I'm, I'm sorry, uh, Superman comics, uh, Mark Weisinger's uh, edited Superman comics. And I hadn't looked at uh, comics for a couple of years because uh, I had, uh, when I first picked out some of my comics on my own to uh, read, I apparently had bought a couple of uh, Disney comics that weren't by Barks. And that was back, I was still maybe nine or ten years old, and uh, it didn't occur to me that, uh, I, I knew I didn't like these new comics I'd bought, uh, but it didn't occur to me that there's more than one artist who's doing these. So maybe it didn't occur to me that uh, that artist didn't happen to do this one issue. So I decided, oh, I must have outgrown these. So uh, when I was uh, collecting the Superman comics, every week I'd go downtown with a stack of my sister's comics to swap two, uh, uh, two for one. But I, the thing, the point was, there were two comics in my sister's that I couldn't bear to get rid of, and I just hid in a drawer. I didn't want to admit that they were good. I just, I couldn't bear to get rid of them. Uh, One of them was uh, the Golden Helmet, which was Carl Barks' story about Donald Duck uh, uh, in a race for a, a golden helmet that was proof that a Viking had landed in North America and had claimed North America as his personal possession. Right. So whoever it's. I can't explain the logic behind it, but whoever found this helmet would be the owner of North America based on uh, a code of discovery passed in the year 632 by Charlemagne. Be- being, being a lawyer, I remember that story well. Because yeah. They're, they're oh, yeah, it was about Lawyer Sharkey. That's right. What a Barks' version of what he thought of lawyers. Exactly. Uh, that was a great story. Gosh, I love that story. And that uh, Even then, I had an appreciation for history because I loved the, his- the, 
and I believed it. I thought there was a code of discovery from Charlemagne, and if this could happen, somebody could own North America. I loved that story, so I hid that in the bottom of a drawer. But the other one, even more important, was the first issue of Uncle Scrooge Comics. Now, I had no idea it was the first issue, because it had a number 386 on the cover. It was a four-color number 386, is that right? Yeah. Plus, I didn't look at numbers. You know, I was just a comic reader. I never knew there were numbers on comics. Uh, but all I knew was this story had a, uh, it was a good adventure, but at the end, uh, a very interesting single page. Well, it had a, an action scene in the middle of the story about a dam breaking and all this. Uh, the, the Scrooge had uh, hidden his money under the waters of a lake, and the uh, Beagle Boys blew up a dam. So uh, there, there's a half-page panel, which in those days was enormous. Yeah, I mean, now they have double-page spreads or bigger fold-out spreads. In those page, a half-page panel was unbelievable of this dam breaking. And to this day, I still think that is the greatest single action scene in, a, in comic book history. Uh, but I saved it for that panel. Uh, but also the last page, Barks purposely summed up the character of Uncle Scrooge because he was sort of slightly recreating the character as more of a hero to be the star of his own comic book series. And I didn't know that, but I just knew that this was such a brilliant page of, uh, again, psychodrama. It was uh, 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 Donald uh, telling Scrooge how unhappy Scrooge is because he all he has to do is worry about his money, and he never can enjoy an ice cream soda. And I think what's the last thing he tells him is, uh, uh, says, for all the money you've got, you're only a poor old man. And Donald walks away. And then there's a panel, which, again... I get chills thinking about this. One of the great panels in comic book history, especially in a kid's comic. It just has Scrooge standing and staring into space with a slightly sad expression on his face. There's no dialogue. There's no thought balloons. But if, you know, the bright kids knew that he's thinking that... He's, no, he's not thinking that. But, uh, but he's thinking, is Donald right? Is his whole life been a waste? Because all he's interested in is, is this money. And then in the last, the, uh, the last panel or the last sequence, he says, ah, he says, no man is poor who can do what he likes to do once in a while. And then, he, and then they repeat the opening scenes of the same story where he says, and I like to burrow in my money like a gopher and dive in it like a porpoise and toss it up in the air and let it hit me on the head. And I just thought that was such a brilliant uh, uh, condensation or summation of what's, what makes a person happy in life. And I never could, and so that was one of the two comics that I never could part with. And so those would have to be my two favorite Carl uh, Barks comics. Well, and, and of course, as you alluded to, that uh, story was Only a Poor Old Man, and that was four, the, name of the, yeah. the name of the story in four color. I believe you're right, it was 386. And I think there were two issues prior to Uncle Scrooge number one coming out, and then Uncle Scrooge uh, continued on. In fact, I think even looking across the aisle here from you, the Boom Comics is here, and they're still publishing some, some version of Uncle Scrooge comics uh, even today. Um, well, Don, it looks like they're uh, announcing the opening of the show. It's yeah. right at 10 o'clock on Sunday morning, so we're going to go ahead and uh, cut this uh, short. But I really appreciate you coming and being uh, a guest again for the third time on the Golden Age of Comic Books podcast. I know I will see you again probably in Charlotte uh, this coming uh, June. Uh, and I, again, thank you so much for being here today. I thank you. I really enjoy talking about old comics, and uh, I don't get much of a chance to do it uh, anymore nowadays. But uh, but thanks again. Well, thank you, and we'll definitely have you on the show again. Uh, Golden Age fans, that's the great Don Rosa, and uh, Don, thanks again.
Well, I always love talking to Don Rosa. He is such a gentleman. He is such a fan of comics as a creator. It's just refreshing uh, to see uh, such a love of comics that Don has. And uh, Don, uh, thank you so much for being on the show. I always greatly enjoy our conversations about comic books, uh, the Golden Age, Uncle Scrooge, Carl Barks, uh, the whole shebang. So thanks again for being on the show. Well, I'm going to wrap it up here with a trivia contest for the 64th installment of the Golden Age of Comic Books. As you figured out from listening to the show, I was up in Baltimore primarily to work with Asgard Press about their vintage DC Comics calendar and their vintage Marvel Comics calendar. Now, I did this last year. I did a trivia contest, and the winner of the trivia contest got a copy of the vintage DC Comics calendar for 2009, and also the Mad Magazine calendar that Asgard Press did for 2009. By the way, Asgard has also done a Mad Magazine calendar for 2010. It's great. Check it out. It's on their website. But uh, for the trivia contest for the 64th installment of the Golden Age of Comic Books, I'm going to give away to the winner a copy of the vintage DC Comics calendar for 2010 featuring uh, covers that celebrate the 75th anniversary of DC Comics. And I'm also going to include a copy of the vintage Marvel Comics calendar, which, as I've described before, contains 16 cover images of Silver Age Marvel covers. And, of course, the DC calendar has 16 covers as well. So, uh, because I'm giving away both calendars, I'm going to make this a little bit challenging as a trivia contest. There are going to be two questions. Uh, One of the questions is going to have three parts, and the second question will just have one part. But in honor of uh, the interview with Don Rosa, and uh, of course this doesn't have anything to do with DC Comics or Marvel Comics, but uh, because Don and I spent so much time talking about Uncle Scrooge, the first question is actually going to be about Uncle Scrooge, and there will be three subparts to that question. The second question is going to be about... Batman and Detective Comics. So let's go ahead and uh, I'll give you these questions. Now, the way we're going to do this, just like we did last year, the first listener of the Golden Age of Comic Books podcast who emails to me the correct answer to the first question and the three subparts and the second question will get the vintage DC Comics calendar for 2010 and the vintage Marvel Comics calendar for 2010. So, here are the questions. Question number one. Now, Uncle Scrooge had his second appearance in 1948. That's his second appearance. As you know from the beginning of the show, his first appearance was in Four Color Comics number 178. That was the story called Christmas on Bear Mountain. Now, I want to know, first of all, regarding Uncle Scrooge's second appearance in 1948... What was the title and issue number? That's subpart A of question number one. Subpart B of question number one is, what was the name of the story? And subpart C of question number one is, name the location in Scotland where the Clan McDuck's ancestral home was located. So that's question number one, A, B, and C. Now, question number two is a Golden Age Batman question. And this question ought to be pretty easy 
for those of you who have ever listened to the Golden Age of Comic Books podcast. And that question is this. What early Detective Comics cover featured a vampire on the cover with Batman? So, there you have it. Uh, Question number one, three subparts involving Uncle Scrooge. And question number two, one question there all by itself with no subparts involving Batman and Detective Comics. Once again, the first person who emails me the correct answer to number one, parts A through C, and number two will get brand new copies of the DC Comics Vintage Calendar for 2010 and the Marvel Vintage Calendar for 2010. And I'm going to sign the DC Comics Calendar. As you all know, I wrote the introduction to the calendar about the 75th anniversary of DC Comics, so I will be autographing that calendar to be sent right to you. So get those answers to the trivia contest to me, and the best of luck to everyone who decides to enter the contest. All right, well, that's going to do it for the 64th installment of the Golden Age of Comic Books podcast for October 12, 2009, a special edition podcast celebrating the time that I had at the Baltimore Comic Con. Special thanks once again to Asgard Press for allowing me to be their guest up there in Baltimore. Had a wonderful time, and I look forward to spending time with them again at uh, Baltimore or any other show that they might uh, choose to attend. Special thanks to Arnold Bloomberg of the Jeppies Entertainment Museum for his time on the show and his hospitality that he showed to me while I was in Baltimore. And last but not least, special thanks to Don Rosa for uh, being on the show with us uh, at the Baltimore Comic Con and for sharing his wit and wisdom that I enjoy so much. Well, don't forget, uh, if you want to uh, enter the trivia contest that I mentioned uh, here at the end of the show, you need to send me an email. Now, that email address, I didn't mention it uh, during the, uh, the the trivia part of the show, but the email address, of course, is goldenagecomics at gmail.com, goldenagecomics at gmail.com. That's the official address of the Golden Age of Comic Books podcast and our blog that can be found at goldenagecomics.org. There you'll find not only the podcast, but all kinds of other posts that we've done about the Golden Age of comic books and other items about the Golden Age of comic books, such as reprints and so on and so forth. So thanks again for joining us on this episode of the Golden Age of comic books podcast. Look forward to those trivia contest entries. And of course, I look forward to talking to each and every one of you about Golden Age comic books on our next episode. <laughs>